This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Aaron Menke's Cabinet of Curiosities, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. It's hard for some people to get interested in politics. All the fighting and negativity doesn't exactly inspire a love for democracy, especially when it seems like one person's vote doesn't count for all that much. After all, what difference can one person make? Just ask Henry Shoemaker. Henry worked on a farm in DeKalb County, Indiana in the mid-1840s. He did what guys like him were supposed to do. He went to work every day, he paid his taxes, and he voted on election day. Now, back then, U.S. senators were not elected by the people. Instead, the voters elected state representatives who would then go on to vote for the senators of their choice. That meant electing the wrong representative might lead to electing the wrong state senator down the line. 1842 was an important year for DeKalb County and its neighbor Steuben. Both counties were to be counted as one, meaning their combined elections would determine which single candidate would go on to represent them in the state legislature. DeKalb had put up a Democrat named Madison Marsh, while Steuben had nominated Enos Beale from the Whig Party. The people came out and voted for their chosen candidate. Well, everyone except Henry Shoemaker, who had forgotten to cast his vote. He finally remembered that afternoon, but he was already over 12 miles away from his polling location. He mounted his horse and rode there, making it to the polls just before they closed. When he arrived, he asked for a ballot. It was printed with the name Enos Beale on it, so he asked for a different one, one with Marsh's name instead. He had met the candidate weeks earlier while Marsh had been campaigning in DeKalb County. Henry had promised to vote for him. But the officials didn't need to know that. Not wanting to give up his right to cast his vote in private, Henry borrowed a penknife and several other ballots from an official. He cut out the names of the various local candidates he wanted to vote for, including Marsh, He then folded the names he'd cut out into a larger sheet of paper and handed the bundle to the election inspector, who personally placed it into the ballot box himself. And then, Henry waited around outside for another hour, just in case there were issues with his makeshift ballot. Nobody said a word, so Mr. Shoemaker went home. The following Sunday, the results came in, and Madison Marsh had earned 360 votes. Enos Beale had also earned 360 votes. However, Henry's strange collection of papers was not among them. Since his ballot hadn't looked like the rest, the sheriffs had tossed it out and ultimately declared Beale as the winner. But Marsh wouldn't accept defeat. He filed an appeal, and the election committee reassessed Henry's vote. They found that Henry Shoemaker of DeKalb County had committed no fraud. He had voted only one time, and the knife he had used not only belonged to the inspector, but the inspector himself had placed the ballot into the box— 
Therefore, Henry's vote would be counted, and Madison Marsh would be elected to the state legislature of Indiana. And a good thing, too. After William Henry Harrison's death in 1841, John Tyler took over as president, leaving the vice president's seat vacant. A new problem was facing the country. The Republic of Texas had declared its independence from Mexico. It was to be annexed into the rest of the United States. The Senate, though, had failed to pass the annexation of Texas via a treaty since it lacked a two-thirds majority. Instead, Tyler attempted to annex as a resolution. He would only need a simple majority, not a two-thirds. The resolution passed 27 to 25. Not exactly an easy win. A single senator voting either way could have killed it, since there would have been no vice president to break the tie. Among those who voted to approve the resolution was Senator Edward Hannigan from Indiana. He had run for election in 1842 against two other candidates. At the time, state legislatures voted for state senators, and Hannigan had only needed a single vote to win. And he got it. From another man who had won by a single vote. Madison Marsh. You dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more more info now. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her. Each in women's petite and plus sizes. And Stafford and Mutual Weave for him. Style and comfort for all. Even big and tall. Plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney. Make everybody count. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Sandra Rivett disappeared at 9 p.m. on the night of November 7, 1974. She had worked as a nanny for the Lucan family in one of the wealthiest parts of London. Before retiring to bed for the evening, she asked Veronica Lucan, also known as Lady Lucan, if she would like a cup of tea. Sandra then went down to the basement kitchen to boil the water. Lady Lucan, irritated at how long it was taking the nanny to make her tea, descended into the basement around 10 p.m. that night, at which time she let out a blood-curdling scream. She then ran out the door to a local pub. 
She was bleeding and begging for help. Someone in her house had just murdered the nanny and had tried to kill her, too. It had been her husband, John Bingham, the 7th Earl of Lucan, known to everyone as Lord Lucan. The two had met 11 years ago at a golf club where Veronica's sister and brother-in-law were members. Veronica and John were married less than a year later. Lady Lucan's social status grew due to her husband's standing among London's cultural elite. Lord Lucan had sophisticated taste. He gambled, raced boats, and drove an Aston Martin. This, combined with his friendship with James Bond author Ian Fleming, led many to believe that Lucan had even served as the inspiration behind the legendary spy. Except where Bond felt right at home at the Baccarat table, Lord Lucan's luck fared much worse. His gambling losses led to credit problems and debts, which his father helped pay off as a wedding present, a way to give the newlyweds a fresh start. The couple went on to have three children together, and a happy marriage for those 11 years. Sadly, the good times wouldn't last. Lady Lucan suffered from postpartum depression after the birth of her second and third child, and her husband's gambling debts returned and continued to grow. The couple were being pulled further and further apart, and by 1972, they had separated. Lord Lucan didn't handle the separation well. He stalked his family often and spread rumors about his wife's depression to make her look like an unfit mother, all in an effort to gain full custody of his children. They went back and forth for months, with the kids being pulled in and out of the home on several occasions by social services. The court required that Lady Lucan have a live-in nanny, but Lord Lucan made sure whoever was watching his children was also drawn into his wild manipulations. He'd call the house late at night and breathe into the phone to frighten them, or ask to speak to people who didn't live there. He even took one of his wife's nannies out for drinks one time, pulling information from her about what was going on inside the house. Ultimately, every nanny in Lady Lucan's employ would eventually leave, until Sandra Rivett joined the home in 1974. Lord Lucan fell deeper into debt and despair. After the courts granted his wife full custody of his children, he spiraled into alcoholism. Things got so dark that he sometimes talked about killing his wife, even describing how he would get rid of the body. But it looked like things might have been turning around for him on the night of November 7th. Lucan had planned to go out on a date with a young woman named Andrina, except he never showed up. Instead, he traveled to his old home, where he waited in the basement for his wife to appear, his fingers wrapped around a lead pipe. At 9 p.m., footsteps clicked and clacked down the staircase. Lord Lucan raised the pipe over his head and swung. The other person collapsed into a heap on the floor. It hadn't been his wife, though, but the nanny, Sandra Rivet. He stuffed her body into an old canvas mail sack and retrieved his pipe. One hour later, his wife came looking for Miss Rivet. Lady Lucan screamed as her husband hit her and then wrapped his hands around her throat. But she fought back until she broke free. They stood opposite each other, nursing their wounds. Where was Rivet, she asked. Lucan told her that he had killed her. She told him to lay low in the house until she had healed enough. She didn't want anyone asking questions. The two walked up to the bedroom, but while he went to the bathroom to fetch towels so that she could clean the blood from her face, Lady Lucan dashed downstairs and out the door to the Plumber's Arms, a nearby pub. The next day, detectives arrived at her London apartment to begin their investigation. They found Sandra Rivett's body in the bag, as well as blood on several surfaces. Lord Lucan, however, was nowhere to be found. He wasn't in his own apartment, either. 
In fact, many of his personal effects had been left behind, including his passport, wallet, driver's license, and car keys. His car was still parked outside, too. The search was underway, though. Police dogs started tracking his scent. Family and friends were interrogated as to his possible whereabouts. But amazingly, nothing was turned up. On November 20th, and across the Atlantic Ocean, police found a pile of clothes abandoned on a Miami beach. It was believed that whoever they belonged to had gone swimming and had either drowned or been killed by a shark. In reality, their owner had been spotted in Denmark before traveling to Australia. Authorities monitored his actions for almost a month. It appeared as though they had found their man. They arrested him on Christmas Eve of 1974, and once he was in custody, police asked him to pull down his pants to verify that he had a six-inch scar running on the inside of his right thigh, a distinguishing mark for Lord Lucan. To their surprise, the suspect didn't have a scar. Apparently, the police had not captured alleged murderer John Bingham, the 7th Earl of Lucan. Instead, they had caught John Stonehouse, a British labor politician who had faked his own death in Miami two weeks after Sandra Rivett had been murdered. Stonehouse served five years in prison for fraud before his release in 1979. Lord Lucan, however, was never found. But that doesn't mean we don't know the whole story. Something that sounds straight out of the classic movie Clue. Lord Lucan, in the kitchen, with the lead pipe. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.